Gentiles, where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning amongst the Jews, and fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Okay? I look at this as kind of a milestone moment for the, for the Jews, because if you remember right, they had, the, the whole captivity um, thing had happened because of idolatry and disobedience. And so here, here we see kind of a, in unison God's people having a godly response. We're going to see two responses tonight. We're going to see from God's people, and we're going to see from Mordecai. And we're going to see, I think God's people are square, pretty good. Mordecai, he's just a tad off. He needs a little bit of a tune up there. We'll talk about that. But the coolest part is it's all going to end well tonight. We'll leave tonight feeling better than, than the beginning of this chapter. But, okay, so there's, there's this milestone moment, I, I called it. They're tearing their clothes. And so this is an outward sign of inward sorrow, all right? And they're crying out. And you've got to keep in mind, Esther doesn't mention Yahweh at all. So when it, there's, it's, they're crying out, one has to assume if it's God's people and they're crying out. They're crying out to God. And I, I, to me, that's great. I mean, I, I think about what's my first response when faced with something hits me in the face. Do I cry out to God or do I go about and try and solve it? Because what, guess what Mordecai does? He tries to solve it, and that's what Jim Crouch tries to do. But it's, I love this response. They cry out. Um, in every providence, there's fasting, weeping, and wailing. Um, and they're putting on sackcloth. And um, sack, sackcloth is kind of an interesting um, thing to put on um, because it's going to make you feel bad. And, it, and, and, it was kind of, um, and you're going to put ashes on, too. And so, and, and I was cleaning out, we have, we have a, a, a wood, wood uh, burning uh, oven, and I was cleaning that out this week, and um, I kind of noticed, because I'm thinking about uh, uh, sackcloth and ashes, ashes are white. So if you're putting sackcloth on, you're uncomfortable, and if you're putting ashes on, you probably look like you just died. And, it, and it's kind of a weird thing that, that the Jews would do this, and the Jews are going to do this too, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but that the Jews would do this, um, and it's, 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 in a, it's telling the world how I feel. There's no guessing how I feel. You know how I feel. You can see I'm wearing sackcloth, and I have ashes on. I feel like I, I, I should be dead. Um, and, and so some of us right off the bat might assume that the audience is the people. But the audience isn't the people for sackcloth and ashes. The audience is God. And so you do it before men. It's something that you do before men. You exhibit before men, but you're crying out and you're calling out to God. And so that's what they're doing here. Um, and the thing, I, 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 I know this for a fact. I don't know if you know this for a fact. If you want to get God's attention, the thing that always gets God's attention is repentance. Repentance gets God's attention. And there's a verse that I think it's kind of a cool verse, Luke 15, 7. It says, I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need re no repentance. And so um, when, when one person repents here, all heaven just like, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like. You know, like, yeah! You know, there's, it's cool. And there's another verse, too, that it's kind of like one of my favorites, um, and this is this is uh, this is uh, this is um, this is a challenge for you tonight. I got a couple challenges for you tonight, but here's the first one: um, be known when you get to heaven. Be known, and this is it. Kind of goes along with the whole thing of heaven celebrating when somebody repents. Um, Matthew ten thirty two says, "Therefore, who confesses me before men, 
This is Jesus speaking. If you confess him before men, guess what your reward is? He confesses you before the Father. Isn't that cool? So wouldn't that that be cool? Sometimes I get emotional, especially when you think about spiritual things. When you get to heaven and you have a chance to meet the Father, and I'm not, you're not my father, I know that. (laughs) But you get before the Father and he says, Jake, I've heard about you. And he's got that big smile. And he's like, well done, son. Give you a hug. Kind of cool. But anyways, the repentance gets God, all this to say repentance gets God's attention. And the other thing too, if you want an example of that, Jonah. Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah goes to Nineveh. And Nineveh is like going down the wrong road, right? And so God says, and I think God has a heart for Nineveh. And God says, Jonah, and much to Jonah's disappointment, his message is received. Have you ever, have you read that lately about how it's received? Because if you want to know about sackcloth and ashes, you got to go read Nineveh, because check this out. Talk about getting God's attention with repentance. Here we go, Jonah 3, verses 5 through 10. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Uh, And he caused it to be claimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, we're talking the animals here, herd nor flock, taste anything. So even the animals are fasting. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, everyone turn from his evil way and from the the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their work that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it repentance gets God's attention, and Nineveh learned that. I still can't imagine that animals running around with sackcloth and ashes. It's a little bit comical, but it, it's, it speaks to the heart. And so we have, even right here, we have an example, you know, because sackcloth and ashes is an outward expression of what's going on inside, an inward change. And that's what, it, this is kind of like um, an easier way than sackcloth and ashes right now. I'm speaking of, of baptism. If you haven't been baptized, that's in outward sign of an inward change. But I, I said the Jews were, were doing sackcloth and ashes and they're going to do it again. You know that there's two guys that are going to come along and wear sackcloth for three and a half years? Talk about a call to repentance. Yeah, that's the two, the two, the, uh, two uh, witnesses in Revelation 11.3. It says, and I will bring power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And so it's not, it's, not, it's not going out of style. It's coming back. Yeah. Verse 4. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, that he would not ex- but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hatach, and one, uh, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So um, uh, Esther, she's, she's, she's in um, the palace 
Um, we're going to find out, too, she's not seen the king for a while. So she's kind of out of contact. Um, you know, she's, she's, she's not um, up to speed on what's going on. Um, and, and did you notice what's interesting here? Who does she send out in verse 5 there? Did you catch? I, I, I honestly think when, the word, when, the, when something slipped into the word, it's not slipped in there haphazard. This is, okay, I'm not going to explain what a eunuch is, and if anybody's listening who's underage wants to know what a eunuch is, go ask mom. (laughs) But this eunuch used to work for the king, and the king, okay, because Esther's got favor, right, from the king? As a matter of fact, the king loves Esther. Remember that? And so he set a personal guy to go watch Esther. Now, do you think, where's his allegiance to, Esther or the king? That's just, it was just mentioned there. So I have a feeling when we get to Esther 5 and 6, or when you get to Esther 5 and 6, however the case may be, um, you're going to, I think this gentleman, this eunuch plays a part. I think he does with, with, with Esther 5 and 6. Um, so anyways, um, this is, he's, he's, he's going to be the messenger man. Um, he's going to, and so she's sending out clothes to Mordecai because the king won't allow people in sackcloth and ashes to come into, into the palace. And so, you know, this guy just doesn't want any sad sacks walking around. You know what I mean? Get it? Sad sacks? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. So, um, so first thing she's doing, she's going to try and take, I think it's interesting, she's going to try and take his, his stuff away from him, you know, and send him some clothes. And I, I realize, because she wants to talk to him face to face, but he denies her. And so I, I, I think it's kind of, um, we're going to talk about um, fellowship and fasting tonight. And I think one of the things for fellowship, the, the uh, close friends will tend to do when they see their friend hurting is they'll immediately try to remove that which is hurting them and try to comfort them. And that's a, that's a, it's a biblical thing. I call it fellowship element number one, comfort those in need. And that's out of Matthew. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you come to me. And so I think that's, it's an interesting verse. So I'm going to actually going to read another verse later on that sounds just like that out of Isaiah. That's kind of interesting. But it's uh, one of the elements of, of fellowship is to comfort one another. We're going to see that there's another thing that she's, she does too. And I, I don't honestly think that Mordecai, he positions himself in front of the king's palace. But I've, as I've said, if you listen to any of Esther 1, 2, and 3, um, I honestly think that Mordecai goes where he needs to pray, and he needs to pray for the nation. And he's in front, he's in front of the, he's in front of the palace to pray. He's not there to speak to the king. If he was there to speak to the king or there to speak to Esther, he wouldn't have been wearing what he was wearing. And if he really wanted to speak to the king or the queen, he would have accepted her clothing, changed his attire, and gone and spoke. I think he's honestly there because he needs to pray for the nation, as I think we need to pray for our nation. We do. Um, so, verse 6. And I keep wanting to say hot hatch. I'm sorry. I raised with a bunch of boys with fast cars, and we all talk about hot hatches. You guys know what a hot hatch is? Don't worry about them. Hatatch, I think is how you say this guy's name. Hatatch. So Hatatch went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree 
for their destruction, which was given at Shashan, um, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, that he might command her to go to the king, make supplication to him, and plead before him for her people. Something just happened there. I don't know if you caught it. So Hatach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. So you, you, this is kind of interesting too. Mordecai, you understand, used to be, he's, they're actually cousins, but he, was, he raised her, so he's like a father figure. He's commanding the queen. Has somebody forgotten their place? I don't know. She's going to be very gentle with him, though. She's going she's to be very gentle with him. So here's the thing. He's got, he, I, call this, um, I call this Mordecai's uh, quick reactionary force. Okay? I want you to do three things, three things. I want you to do them. Here you go. Go to the king. So in other words, use your access. Make supplication. Go seek favor. Go seek favor. Um, and plead on behalf of her people. Introduce Hadassah. What has, what has Mordecai just done? He's outed her. Because who did he out her to? And I hate to use that word out because out, outing somebody has such a negative connotation, you know, today's. But he just revealed to the guy who's the spy for the king that his queen is a Jew, your people. Remember that when you start reading Esther 5 and 6, go, oh. Because we're going to find out here that uh, Xerxes is going to have some problems sleeping. He's going he's to have some problems sleeping. And I wonder if he's chewing on what Hot Hatch, I'll just say it because I'm going to keep saying it anyways, <laughs> what Hot, Hot Hatch told him. Anyways, that's one of my theories. I have another theory tonight I'll bounce off you guys too. And I told you this, I think I told you last time, I, when, I, when you're chewing on words, you just kind of go like, what? You know, I'm, gonna, I'm looking so forward to getting to heaven just to go like, hey, that part about Esther, was, it, was I true with that theory I had? I was like, that was good, that was good, I like that. You know, it's like a good teacher, they'll never tell you whether you're right or wrong. You know what I mean? But anyways, so Mordecai, he's got his um, quick reactionary force. Now, the thing I didn't understand too is he's, he is hot on it. Do you realize he's still got 11 and a half months to solve this problem, right? He's there that day. The news is out. He's there that day. He's not waiting 11 and a half months or 12 months, whatever. He's there. We're going to solve this right now, right here. Typical guy fashion, right? Guys, shake your head. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's, he is depending on Esther's gift, and, uh, and he's trying to just, all he's trying to do is cancel the execution. Um, and so the, the thing is, I, I kind of come away with this too, is how do I, when, when, when I have a, a an issue before me, how do I try to solve it, okay? Because um, how are my prayers? Are my prayers orientated top down or bottom up? Lord, this is what I need done. Because we have to understand, if we haven't figured this out, is his ways are different from our ways. We have to figure that out. And, and uh, Isaiah says that real clearly in, in, in 55, Isaiah 55, 8, 9, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And um, it's also Matthew kind of um, does it. He kind of explains it too in Matthew 25. You know, or actually Jesus does when he's saying, you know, how should we pray? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have to keep that in mind when we've got 
when we come, we were hit with a problem, how do we solve it? Do we try to solve it our way? Do we, we lay out our strategy in our head and we start talking to God, hey, if you could move this pawn here and this pawn over here and the knight over there and the bishop over there, we can win, Lord, we can win. And um, we just have to sit back and pray. Sit back and pray. We don't have to rush on in. Recognize his authority. Verse 10. Then Esther spoke to Hatach and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the peoples of the king's providences know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. All right? So if you catch the wording there, it sounds like she's commanding Mordecai. She's not actually commanding Mordecai. She's commanding, um, gave him, a, well, she's given him a, com- a command for Mordecai, but it's kind of, a, she's, if you look at it, she's not actually giving him a command. She's more, get, she's informing him. The, some of the, um, the problems with his plan, okay? Um, she's remor- reminding uh, Mordecai that, um, that the king has laid out the ultimate do not disturb sign, okay? Um, and she's also reminding Mordecai that his, his expeditionary or, you know, his quick reaction force is, could possibly end with her death. Um, but I do, I, do, I do think she's encouraging him to some degree, which is what I think is fellowship element number two, is we need to spur each other on. And in Hebrews it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you say you see the day approaching. And so I do. I think she's honestly she's encouraging. She's reminding him, okay, hey, you came up with this plan. Here's a couple holes in the plan you might want to think about. Um, and she's gonna she's gonna um, she's gonna turn the 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 um, conversation around here just a bit but what i like about this too is the king has this do not disturb sign out and what i like about like i don't want to say like i say kind of too much don't i i i don't kind of like this i love this do you guys know that we have all access and all access pass to the king of kings and the lord of lords do we use it not enough not enough there's a couple verses i'll let you chew on tonight Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And who who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And the other verse I want to leave with you with, but I want to, anybody who's got grandkids, you can picture this one so much easier. Because grandkids grasp this next verse. And so next time you see your grandkids, and they're coming running to you, Papa, 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 or Mama, or whatever they call you. I don't know what they call you. But when they do that, think of this verse. Think of this verse. It probably works for parents, too, but I don't know. Do your kids, like, run to you and say, Papa, Papa? Yeah? Okay. Hebrews 4.16. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help him in time of need. So come boldly before the throne. Knock, seek, press in. There is no do not disturb sign. The king will see you. The king loves to see you. 
continue on there with verse, I think it was 11. Um, Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's word. So um, king has not seen Esther for a month. And I, okay, and I, okay, well, I have these wild theories, right? You want to entertain one of my theories? Why is she counting the days? Why is she counting? Why does she know 30? He comes in and he says, hey, I want to see the king. Do you know I've not seen him for 30 days? I bet you if it had been 29, she would have said, do you know I haven't seen him for 29 days? Or if it was 31 or 42, she would have said the number. I, I bet you, this is just Jim Crouch, this is a theory of mine, crazy theory. I'll fill you in with another part here. But for some reason, there's an urgency that she wants to talk to him. She knows to the day how many days it's been since she's seen him. I'll tell you what my theory is in a little bit, but I'll let that one stew in there for a little bit, okay? Um, so she's not seen him, but instead we've got Haman in there. And you guys remember Wormtongue? Lord of the Rings, Wormtongue, what's it, uh, I wrote, wrote his name, oh, King Theoden of Rohan. King Theoden, you remember him? There's a gentleman who's talking to him, and because he's talking to him, King Theoden's eyes glaze over. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, you've got to see that's a good movie. But Xerxes has been talking to Haman for a while, and so Haman has had an influence and I think he's had an influence. I would even dare to say he's had an influence for 30 days. And that's why Esther's been shut out. And I've, I've kind of um, I've kind of come to an awareness. I, I recently um, finished a book. Um, did I write the name of it down? Because I knew I was going to forget it. Yes, Irreversible Damage. Irreversible Damage. Um, I'm, I am learning how much our society, and in particularly our young ones are socially influenced to an extreme that you cannot even imagine. I'm going to tell you, before I read this book, I'm like, okay, yeah, kids watch YouTube. They watch, they, they watch social media, but it doesn't influence them. I'm, I'm telling you, influencing people is powerful. There is right now, and the reason why I read this book, this irreversible damage, I'm seeing an explosion uh, in the trans community amongst our young girls. It's an explosion. It is an exponential explosion. I, I, and I can't speak too much because as, as a school employee, I can't say a whole lot uh, in public, but I'm telling you it's an exponential explosion. And what, I'm found, what I found out from reading that book, and it's a secular book, so if you go and read it, don't, I, I'm not going to say anything other than it's a secular book, so you know how secular books go, but it, it was a research that was done all about, they're calling this a, um, uh, a social contagion. And it comes back to my point about influence. What is influencing you? What is influencing your kids? What is influencing your grandkids? Are you aware? And that's the, all the importance of fellowship. Fellowship, I don't know if you've ever heard this. Somebody told me a long time ago, the definition of fellowship is two or three people in the same boat. And what the people that we share our boats with in life are the people who influence us. And right now, Xerxes is under a bad influence, okay? And so I would, and just as just a public uh, service o- awareness, pay attention to who's influencing you and your family. It's real, it's powerful, and it's the enemy. Anyways, um, we continue. Verse 13. 
And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent in this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews, I'm sorry, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. And that's probably one of the most famous verses of the book of Esther. We just, we just read it. Now, I think right here with, this, with Mordecai, we've, the whole tempo has changed. This chapter, we turn a corner and we go, we, go from a, um, we go from an emotional into a spiritual state. And from here on out, it's, it's going to be spiritual things. Because I think right here, Mordecai is doing a little prophesying. He's talking about some things. And if you remember... Uh, in Esther 2, I had named it a bridge for my people or something like that. And that's where I got it. I got it from this verse here, is that um, if you don't provide provision for your people, if you don't act as a bridge to your people, God will pro bring provision to his people from another bridge. And that's, what, that's where I got Esther 2, the title for Esther 2 there. Um, now here's where, remember I told you I was going to let my theory kind of soak in there a little bit? Okay, I'm about to hatch it, just to let you know. Not hot hatch, hatchet, anyways. Um, he says here, he says, you and your father's house will perish. You and your father's house will perish. Well, her dad's already dead, right? So what's left of the possibility of her father's house being extended would mean that she would have a child. Does that make sense? And she's counting the days since she last saw the king. Hmm. And this sentence is going to be passed in 11 months. It takes about, what, nine months? Are we there? That's my theory. That's my theory. I don't know. But I think this is interesting. He prophesies, you and your father's house aren't going to make it. And so I, 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 there, I, there's a curiosity that I have is I wonder if Esther was pregnant at this point. And that's why she wanted to talk, talk to the king. But that's just a theory. There's nothing theologically deep about that, okay? So I'm not in trouble if I'm wrong, right? Okay, just anyways, I think God, I really think, I don't know, maybe this is just me making an excuse for my bad behavior, but I honestly think God likes us to ponder his word and think about these things and then ask him about them. Make sense? All right, so what else we got here? Um, oh, yeah, the whole thing for such a time as this. I have two friends right now that um, it's kind of funny too. Your heartstrings—if you ever touch those heartstrings, you know what happens automatically. You just kind of start to like. But anyways, I have two heart heartstring friends. We touch each other's heartstrings, um, and they both struggle with being content where they're at, you know? And they have these questions is, am I on the right road? Has God forgotten me? Does he know what he's doing? Maybe they don't say that. And probably if they're listening right now, they'll give me a hard time tomorrow. But um, for such a time as this, it's really kind of cool that we have to trust the Lord. There's, there's some things, if you are wrestling with that as well, um, you know, here's some things that you should be okay with. You should be okay with God's timing, okay? God's clock 
is different from our clock, guys. I don't know if you figured that out yet. You know, uh, one day is as a thousand years. That tells you right now we're not on the same clock, right? And our timing is not his timing. His ways are much higher than our ways, right? So here's the first one. When it comes to God's timing, know this, Ecclesiastics 3.1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. God knows the time. There's nobody better at it at timing than him. And here's the next one. If you're wrestling with or you're struggling with promotion, okay, you either got a promotion or you didn't get a promotion and you're wondering, God, did you, why did this person get promoted and I didn't? I was much more qualified for that position God, have you forgotten me? Why am I still in this same job? Can't I please get out of this job? Well, Psalm 75 says, for exaltation, and some versions say promotion, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another and he knows what he's doing when it comes to promotion. Okay? And the, um, the last one is, is provision. You know, uh, you know it, do I have enough provision? Matthew, Matthew um, 6 explains this pretty well. Jesus, I, I believe this is Jesus speaking. Look at the birds of the air, for they, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, <laughs> are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So we have, to, we have to be assured that, that where we are, where we are in our workplace, where we are in our home, where we are in our hobbies, where we are in this community, um, we need to figure out how to be content because we were put in those places for such a time as this. Does it make sense? This is just not speaking to Esther. This is speaking to all of us. We need to learn to be content in where we're at. Verse 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Okay, so side note here, I think this is Mordecai's proudest moment right here because he came up with his, uh, his fast react reactionary force, right? What has Esther done? She's countered it, and she said, I got a better plan. And her plan is more of a spiritual plan. Mordecai's was like, get in there, use your access, make supplication, tell him you're a Jew. Now, here's her plan. I like her plan much better. Um, and so I think, I think he's proud because she once was a, is it, was a woman, a young daughterish type relationship under his care. Now she's a full-blown godly woman. And so her first command is to gather. And you have to understand the Jews were scattered abroad. So gather those who are scattered. There's a call to fellowship, okay? And that was the, the last thing I wanted to talk about is our fellowship. And I probably should have given you this verse back then when I was talking about social influencers. But fellowship affects, it does ref, affect our relationship 
um, and specifically our, our relationship with God. So we need to be careful who we fellowship with. And so in, um, 2 Corinthians 6 talks about, it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness or what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Baal or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so there's a call to fellowship, you know, and to, and to gather together from where they are. Um, and I don't know if you picked this up too. Did you see who's going to fast with her? Was Hot Hatch in that group? Mm-mm. He's not in the group. So her and her maids are going to fast. But I think is a good thing, too, because I think our intimate fellowship which should be with the same sex, you know, unless you're married. You know, then you can, you know, you can fellowship with your, with your spouse. But I think if you're going to get into an intimate prayer circle, I think ladies should pray with ladies, and I think men should pray with men. But I also think Hot Hatch is off. He's going to go say, he's going to, he got some words to, to, to share, I think. But that's just my theory. We'll find out when we get to heaven, right? Um, but I do think this too. Do you guys know what an accelerant is? Accelerant speeds up the process. Okay, she's calling them to fast. And I'm going to talk about fasting here in a second. But there's a, she's fasting in fellowship. And I believe fellowship is an accelerant for fasting. And I haven't, we haven't gotten into what fasting is, but here. Because we all know this verse. I'm, I'm certain we all know this verse. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or more are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Make sense? So when you're, when you're, if, you're, if you're going through hard times or if you're going to fast, I encourage you to do that with others. And you go like, but Jim, what about that other verse? Don't worry, I'll get to that other verse. Um, we're almost done. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill down here on fasting for a little bit, if you, if you, don't, if you don't mind. Because this is the second command she gives him. Um, fast number two, fast for three days and three nights. Okay? Now, she doesn't mention prayer, but I think that's just going along with um, Esther, because Esther doesn't mention Yahweh, and so she doesn't say prayer, although it's spoken earlier. But she, does, she asked them to, to, to fast for three days and three nights, but here's what Sandra said this too. I give I give give um, credit where credit is due. She said, uh, and I'll paraphrase. See if I mess it up. Um, God's people can pray without fasting, but God's people cannot fast without praying. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so for three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. Hmm. Does that ring a bell? Three days and three nights? Isn't that like the number of days of deliverance? Three days and three nights, yeah. Um, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so, shall, so will the gun of man, son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Yeah. And so, um, and here's the other thing too, is when you fast, um, you, you, you know, when they're fasting, they're not eating or drinking, but if you look at the, I call them the superstars of fasting. There's two, there's two, there's two superstars of fasting for me. There's Jesus and Moses because they both did 40 days and 40 nights um, fasting. 
I don't know if you guys know that. I, I've forgotten about Moses. I knew about Jesus. He, like, comes to mind 40 days and 40 nights. But I, I'd forgotten that Moses did that, too, when the law was being written. So what does that tell you? You should be consuming during your fast. Matthew 4.4 4 reminds us, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's what Jesus is saying towards the end of his fast there. No, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, we're going to drill down on fasting and then we'll be done tonight. Um, we're going to talk about if fasting. And I was, I was thinking about this today. Um, and I, I can't, I'm, I'm struggling with how to explain it. But if you've got, you, if you've got a tool in your toolbox and you look at that tool and you know that's a very powerful tool, but you've never used it. And you wonder, why well, I've never used it. That's uh, The tool I'm referring to is fasting. We're going to talk about fasting in a little bit here because it's a really, really effective spiritual tool. When, we, when, when I look at it tonight, and that's going to challenge I'm going to leave you with too is to think about fasting because I'm, I'm going to give you three things that fasting does. But we as America are, and I'm, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself. I, okay, I'll confess something. Our small group the other day when we went out for dinner, we're talking about fasting. <laughs> Is that ironic or what? We don't, and I, we're ta I was talking to the other guys there, and they're, do you fast? No, I don't fast. Do you fast? No, I don't fast. And we're all like, none of us fast. So I'm, I'm making this assumption on this small sampling that a lot of us don't fast, but yet it's a huge, huge tool. And so the thing is, we, you know, we, Bill, we were talking about our country where we're at right now, and and I was telling you about our, you know, our children and the school district how we are right now. Um, we are in crisis in so many areas, and we have this huge tool in our toolbox. I'm not touching it. You touching it? We don't. We don't touch it. We don't go near it. We don't go near fasting. Why is that? I think because we don't like suffering. We don't like suffering. And fasting will cause suffering. So shall we get into fasting? Have I sold it? Have I sold you on it? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's talk about fasting. Okay, so I got three things that fasting does. Three things it does. Okay, it's going to direct your focus. It's going to align your spirit. And it's going to invite God's power. So it's going to get you looking at the right things. It's going to bring your spirit in alignment with God. I know, I know Les has got a word that he always, you know, he's got a three or four sentences about getting into God's will, and I, I, can't, I can't say them, but if he was here, I'd say, Les, what is that you say? Um, but he, it, it, getting in line with God's spirit. So here's, here's the first one. Fasting directs our focus. Matthew 6, verses 17 and 18 says, But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to, to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you in openly. Our eyes need to be on the Father. When we're fasting, it'll get our eyes on the Father, especially if we're praying, and especially if we're in the Word, our eyes are going to get on the Father. And you remember what Jesus said? He only did what? That which he saw the Father doing. And so if you want to get your focus right, fast. Now, once again, I'm saying this, and I'm not a faster either, but I, we've had conversations about fasting, and I know it's in my future, and so I'm, I'm encouraging you as I'm encouraging me, 
Okay, you want to get you want to get your focus right fast. Here's the next one. Aligns your spirit. Joel two twelve. Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Okay, so it's going to align our spirit. It's going to get us back turned towards Him. All eyes on the Father when you're fasting. Um. And a good example of, of, of that aligning of the Spirit is in Acts, Acts 13. It says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. <laughs> then they fasted and prayed some more. Um, uh, they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, and they sent them their way. So that's the second thing. It aligns your spirit. And then the last one, there's a whole chapter in Isaiah dedicated to, to fasting. Isaiah 58. And this is, this, this is my third point. Fasting invites God's power. I'm, I'm guessing we all have got something we want God's power in, into. And, and, and I'll read it for you. Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 9. I would inv invite you to read the whole chapter at your leisure because it's on, it's on fasting. Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 9. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and, and that you break every yoke. How is that for inviting God's power? Is it not, um, and this is where it's kind of interesting. I read this verse earlier to you, and I told you I was, gonna, I was gonna read something similar. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, that you see the naked and you cover them, and that you not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he shall say, here I am. How's that for calling on God's power and inviting God's power? I'm gonna let the music guys come up because I'm just gonna, the last thing I wanna do is just, I wanna invite you. I wanna invite you um, to fast. I want to invite you in your fellowship. Who is your, who is your, um, your circle? Um, is, there, is there a crisis? Is there a crisis that God has opened your eyes to that you're concerned about the outcome? I would invite you to fast. Is there, um, is there, do you need spiritual focus? Okay. Do you need a spiritual reset in your life where you've kind of gotten off on the wrong path and you really would like to kind of, so to speak, ground out, get rid of all the static electricity, get rid of all the distractions, get rid of all the things and recenter yourself, um, realign yourself, know where you are as, as God's, per, you know, God's person for this time, for such a time as this, I would encourage you to fast. And I know it's suffering and we don't like suffering but it's, it's the, one of the most powerful tools in the toolbox. I would encourage you to reach in and pick it up. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for, um, for just the lessons that we can pick up from Esther, the lessons we can pick up from Mordecai, the lessons we can pick up as your children who can come boldly to you Father, we, we thank you for the access that you grant us. There, you always want to be disturbed. Come on in, you say. And so, Father, we just thank you for the access that your 